right, let's, uh, let's, let's stand on our feet. Yeah, Lord Jesus, we honor you. We're, we're on our feet, Lord. In reverence before you tonight. And we just continue to create space to behold you as God, the ever-present God who says, I will never, ever leave you. So we know that you're here. And we honor the king in our midst. And we would ask that you would be so merciful toward us that you would actually speak. That the God who spoke and created galaxies and lights and universe, and that you would speak to us and that you would create light and life on the inside of our hearts tonight. Not by human wisdom, but by the power of your spirit, God. And we just make room, Jesus. Yeah, just stay in this posture. I'm just going to read these scriptures over us. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil things against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for they persecuted the prophets of old in the same way. We thank you for your word, and we pray, God, that you will use your word to open a door to your very heart tonight, God. Amen. Be still and know that I am God. I, I have this sense that God's changing us in worship. It says in First John that when we see him, we'll become like him. 
You know, we become like what we worship. It's transformational. And we are all worshipers. The question of our life is not if we will worship. It's who or what we will worship. And God is teaching us something. This isn't, this isn't my message, but I think God is shifting something in our community. He's aligning what worship and spirit and truth is. And I just give thanks to him for that. He's changing our hearts. That worship won't just be the songs we sing, but it's unlocking something deeper. This kind of feel his weight on me. It's hard to it's hard to talk fast. I want to talk about purity tonight. I think that's what he wants to talk about. We've been looking at these beatitudes as an entry point to reality. That Jesus is articulating this is the way of life that the creator ordained for it to be. If we believe that God is a creator and that God created the heavens and the earth, then it would only be intuitive to then also believe that there's a way of life he created within the creation. Like God understands how to navigate the creation in the most effective and fruitful way. Would you believe that? Do you see how to believe that God is both creator and then to think that we would know better than him how to live within creation is kind of a counterintuitive belief system. That's why pride really doesn't make sense. It only makes sense to a deceived mindset. And that's why the enemy is the father of lies who just tries to deceive us into seeing untruth and thinking that that's reality. So there's one reality every other line of thinking, paradigm of thought is actually an unreality. And we see a lot of people living unrealities in the sense that they have very destructive lives. And we see the culture of the world chasing things that are empty. And, and then Jesus comes as this morning dawn that says, here is life. Here is the way. I've become like you. I'm God. I'm the creator. I'm the one through whom all things were created. And now I'm here in a human body, and I'm going to use your language to articulate to you what the way of life really is. And he doesn't shove anything down our throats. He just makes authoritative statements. And when I say authoritative, it just means he's accessing what is real. He's speaking truth. And he's saying, this is what life is all about. And these Beatitudes are his great introduction. They're the, the founding charter of the kingdom of God. 
It's like if you want to boil it down, like here is the kingdom. And then Jesus is also self-disclosing. He's saying, here's me. If you want to know what I'm like, this is me. I'm pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. They shall see God. like he's telling me to wait. I think silence is what kind of tunes our ears to hear whispers. So I think he's just kind of tuning us. Tuning our ears to listen. Ears of a disciple. Okay. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. When we think of purity, we usually think of the absence of something. You know, we think of snow when it's first fallen on a winter morning before anybody's walked on it or, you know, any, it's been muddied in any way. And we say that's purity. It's, it's, it's unblemished. It's without spots, without wrinkle. It's unspoiled. And that's true. Purity is the absence of sin or compromise or mistakes or or shame, it's, it's, it's radiating, it's, it's unblemished. But we all know that that definition doesn't work for us humans <laughs> because we can all look back and find some sort of blemish in our track record, some perhaps by human standards more than others, but we're all on the same playing field when it comes to our track record before God. We all fell short of his glory. We all are in our own righteousness, dirty before him. And so that definition doesn't work, and we know that that's not what Jesus is speaking of when he talks about purity of heart. And I'd like to just start tonight by bringing to your attention that when Jesus and when the scriptures speak of one who's pure in heart, it's not so much the absence of something as it is the presence of purity. God isn't looking for someone who's without stain. We've all been stained. He's looking for people that have the presence of his imputed righteousness within them. God makes the unclean things clean. This was Jesus in the Old Testament, the Levitical law. If you were a leper or if you uh, were a woman who was bleeding uh, because of woman times, uh, you, you were considered unclean. Right? And, and yet Jesus, uh, he's touched by a woman who is bleeding, and he's unfazed by it. And actually, his ecosystem gets on her. And Jesus, rather than shunning lepers and keeping them in their own you know, segregation, Jesus goes and the pure one touches the unpure ones, and they become pure. So when we're speaking of purity, we're not speaking of the lack of you know, brokenness or sin, we're actually talking about the presence of God's imputed purity that 
comes by the blood of Jesus. He made Jesus sin who knew no sin so that we could become the righteousness of God, and so we are. So our pure standing before God doesn't actually have anything to do with our track record. It all begins with an act of mercy, which is that God wiped away our sin and he gave us a new nature in, in Christ, an unspoiled nature. It's actually a nature that sin cannot corrupt because it's in Christ Jesus. And sin has no power over Jesus. He conquered sin and death on the cross and rose three days later to manifest and express that sin cannot touch me. So you have an identity that's been actually birthed and grafted from Christ himself. So your, your purity before God cannot be altered. It's, it's secure because it's in Jesus. Isn't that just good news? You've been made pure by the blood of Jesus. That's why we can sing to the one that was found worthy because he's so beautifully pure and we've been found in him. And there's nothing on earth or in hell that can change that. Once you have given yourself and allowed the Holy Spirit to come in and recreate you and, and form this miracle where the old things pass away and a new creation is born, you, you've become pure. You've just become pure. God sees you through Jesus and you're pure and you're lovely. And the, the theological word for that would be a, it's a positional purity or a positional sanctification. And the way I like to think of this is that it's, it's also uh, potential. Right? Positional could be potential. It's like a seed. And when we get recreated into the image of Jesus, when we are born again, there are seeds of a new identity and a new nature that are sown into the very depths of who we are. And that's, who the, that's the righteousness of God. That is true. It is absolutely true. But there's a difference between positional purity and incarnational purity. Right? Incarnational purity would be when what Jesus has done on the cross and what he speaks you to be actually is it's in your it's in your skin, it's in your bones, it's in your soul, it's in your mind, it's in your thoughts. You've become pure like he is pure. Right? I believe that we will be on an ongoing journey of transformation until the day we behold him face to face and we lock eyes with him in his absolute purity. We'll become like him. There's this, there's this journey of becoming like God. But the journey is on earth, and we all know this. Right? Most of us were baby Christians at some point, unless you just kind of popped out of the spiritual womb like Mother Teresa. Uh, that wasn't my story. You know, I don't think that's most of our stories. It's like this messy process where God gets us. He's, you're my righteousness. He clothes us in white. He does away with the old things. But then as we start learning to, to walk this whole journey out, we stumble sometimes. Has anybody sinned since becoming a Christian? Right, have anybody done some things that you'd say, I wish I wouldn't have done those now? Why you were a Christian, like made some impure decisions, did something. Yeah, we all, we all have that track record. And I would say that sin actually gets, you know, we don't lose the ability to sin once we get saved. We just lose the ability to enjoy it, you know? <laughs> 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 wow, that really struck a chord. I don't know what that means. <laughs> like all you at home watching the Super Bowl right now, I just pray that all the joy zaps out of that room. You're sinning. Uh, we, we, God doesn't take away the capacity to sin. 
but it's just not so much fun anymore. All right, so, so the blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now keep in mind, what's Jesus doing? He's revealing reality here. And I talked about how the, the, the Beatitudes, they're two quartets. The first four are, are going from a state of emptiness to being filled. The second four are actually a description of what it looks like when you've been filled with God's righteousness. You become merciful, which is last week. You become pure. But Jesus doesn't describe righteousness in a static way. He doesn't say you become righteous. When you become righteous, you become pure. He actually describes righteousness in these in, uh, by the ecosystem of the life that you create. So he's saying you've be, the righteousness of the kingdom manifests as one who's merciful, who, who receives more mercy. There's this ongoing growth in mercy. The one who's been made righteous is pure in heart and then has revelation of God and then becomes more pure in heart and then has revelation of God. Right? There's, it's an ecosystem that Jesus is talking about. He's giving an active definition of what life in the kingdom looks like. It's not ever static. It's glory to glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. So he's revealing reality here. Blessed are the pure in spirit, they shall see God. And I believe what Jesus is inviting us into through this statement is to start understanding, wow, positional purity is beautiful, and the day of my salvation was a holy, amazing day that forever changed the eternity, my eternity. But, but there's more. There's an onward journey. There, I don't want to just be pure uh, in, in the potential and the who I am just in, you know, in the inward parts. I want that to overtake and flourish to the very members of my body, to my thoughts, my desires, my, the way that I live my life, my actions and my deeds. I want to become pure as he is pure. I want to be one who shines like a star in the midst of a crooked, wicked generation. I want to be light in the darkness. I want to be one that salt in the earth. I want, I want to exude and radiate this purity of God so much so that if people have encountered me they've encountered him because the light of his face has actually become incarnational and it radiates through my face You're like I want my countenance to look like his countenance I want my eyes to look like his eyes I want my hands I want my heart I want my love I want to look like Jesus to the world amen so, so we want to go on this journey of becoming pure incarnationally like he is pure and so I just want to go through like a uh, a, a brief depiction of what does incarnational purity look like in our lives. And I, I've heard this phrase, which I love. And I, I think that the beauty of God's kingdom and his redemption in our life is that he wants to bring us into a, a second innocence. You know, a lot of people get their first innocence, you know, their childlikeness stolen by life, stolen by pain, stolen by encounters. Uh, that, 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 that robs them of purity, stolen of things that, you know, that, that twisted self-image, twisted the image of people or the other gender or all these things. And God so wants to redeem us. He wants to bring us back into a place of childlikeness. And it's a second innocence where we are pure and we're not ignorant. We, we've seen life. We understand the pains. We understand, you know, we're, we're, we're innocent, but we're also shrewd as a serpent at the same time. But, it's, but we're innocent. It's as if all the things that I've seen and the mistakes that I've made, even still, it's like it's been so washed and redeemed 
that, that I have entered back into a state of true innocence and purity. And even, you know, like b- before God and before people. Like that's what God can do. Only God can do that. The world doesn't offer that. The world says once your purity is stolen, it's gone. Because purity is like a white snow. And as soon as it's trampled on and dirtied, it's forever dirty. But Jesus says, not in me. Not in my way. It, it, it's, I mean, it's... it's, it's Sexual transmitted diseases, he heals. He's, he's, he, is, he is just like so, so, so yearning to redeem his bride. It's like he, he doesn't just want to wipe away your spiritual sin. He wants to cleanse all the effects of it. You know, it's, he's, he's holy and nothing will keep him from making you holy like he is holy. Nothing except... You, your unwillingness. He, he's just so loving. So, so here's just a picture of, of incarnational purity. Right? We, we live with purity of thought. Purity of thought. This would be like that Philippians 3 list. Dwell on these things. Pure and, and noble and honorable. And, right? Your thoughts become pure. Like God wants to purify our minds. That the thoughts that we think are congruent with the thoughts that God's thinking. Right, his thoughts would become your thoughts. Uh, it's you know in Isaiah fifty-five, it talks about you know God says, "My thoughts are not your thoughts; my ways are higher than your ways." That's God talking to an Israel in rebellion, and God wants to reconcile that in Christ. And I believe He has because we look at His Word in First Corinthians, where it says, "We have been given the mind of," which would mean that His thoughts are. Right? So he's bridging this divide. He doesn't want our thoughts and his thoughts to be so different. He wants our thoughts to be like his thoughts and, and his thoughts to be like our thoughts. Right? God wants to uh, just transform us, that we would just dwell, that our minds would be filled with holy, noble, pure, righteous, benevolent, wise discerning, equitable thoughts. Like God has thoughts and he wants our minds to be like his minds. This is why we're transformed by the renewal of our minds. It's a renewal of purity. It's a sanctification of the mind. It's a sanctification of the imagination. Gosh, the enemy hates our imagination. Our imagination is a powerful force of creativity. Uh, the, the most, it's the greatest, it's the greatest creative force in all of the world. You know, it's like everything that's ever been created. I sometimes marvel that God gave us a planet with raw material and we have made planes that can fly and spaceships that can go to the moon and city skyscrapers. You know, it's like, wow, like we are so creative. It's the mind, but the enemy wants to corrupt our imagination so that we will imagine things that he imagines and create things that he would like to see created. But God has his own imagination. He wants to sanctify the imagination so that he can fill it with his thoughts, his inspiration, his ideas. God wants to sanctify our thoughts. All right, so purity of thoughts. The next is purity of desire. God so wants to get his way in you that he can do your will. (laughs) Just think on that. He so wants to get his way into you that he can do your will. I think that's the whole, that's what Jesus is, when he, you know, pray, if you pray anything in my name, I'll do it. 
in my name is the part that we don't emphasize enough. In my name, in my name. He's saying, I want my nature to become like your nature. My desires to become like your nature. I so want to transform you that I can literally do anything that you ask me to do because you desire the same things that I desire. Uh, your, your desire has been transformed. You live by a pure desire. You no longer have appetite for sin, but you actually desire God. Noble thought, right? God wants to give you such purity that you desire. Psalm 27, this is the one thing I desire. It's you, God. It's amazing. God wants to bring, bring purity to our desire. Purity of motive. God wants to so purify the motives of your heart that selfish ambition will sicken you. You'll be aware of it, and it will make you like sick to your stomach. Like, I want nothing to do with that. You'll be motivated by selfless love, servanthood, generosity, virtue, discretion, holiness, essentially an other-centric motivation to your life. Things that would not be appetizing in a selfish ecosystem will become very appetizing. You'll be motivated to sacrificially give to other people. Like, you'll be motivated, right? You'll be motivated by agape love that is oriented on him and on other people. Like, that, he, he, doesn't, it's, he doesn't want, like, you know, the things we do to be, like, this mm, grinding of, like, willpower. He wants you to be motivated, to do things like he did. You know that your motive has become pure when you have literally no fear of submitting your wants or your plans to the Lord or to other people for feedback. Because once you've been cleansed of self-motivation, you have nothing to hide. It's like, oh yeah, here, here's my motives. Here's the motives of my decisions. Can you help me process these things? Because it's like you've become pure in the motivation of your life. Right? You trace every, every decision. I believe God weighs by the purity of our motive. Because if our motives are pure, everything will, will point, it'll come from him. Right? It'll, every, every decision, every thought, every word is traced back to its source. And when we've become pure, it, he's the source. I'm no longer the source. And let's purify our motives. Purity of speech. This is a good one. No filthy or coarse words. No habits of swearing. No crude humor. Rather, your speech is seasoned with grace as though with salt. That's Colossians chapter 4. Don't hear religious condemnation. Hear that you would never want a word to come out of your mouth that didn't come out of the mouth of Jesus. Right? I, I think Jesus is really funny, by the way. But he, he's not inappropriate. It just would be hard for me to, to think of Jesus making a really crude joke. <laughs> I just don't think he'd like it. You know, it, this is about love. This is that you've, I've become pure like Jesus is pure. All right, your mouth becomes a pure fountain 
that blesses only and does not curse. This is James. This is talking about the rudder of the tongue. And he says, like the tongue, you know, it shouldn't be a, a fountain of sweet water and bitter water. It shouldn't be a tree that bears good fruit and bear, bad fruit. We shouldn't be a mouth that speaks praises of God and then curses or criticizes or gossips about those that are made in his image. Purity of speech. God, I believe, looks for integrity in the hearts of those that, that call on his name. I believe one of the highest marks of integrity are the words that you speak about other people. Gossiping is just not fruitful. One of the things that I try to, to govern my life by is that if I wouldn't say it to their face, I shouldn't say it about them behind their back. And there's been many of times I've said things to other people that I haven't said to someone's face, and I realized... I need to sit down and I need to tell them because this is what I feel. It's okay to process. It's okay to be frustrated with people. It's okay that sometimes you really, you know, things aren't going the right way, but you don't gossip. Right? You, you, you speak. You speak with honor towards other people. Purity of speech. Purity of deed. The way you live your life will literally lead people to God. You, you walk in the light as he is in the light. I think we'd stop being so afraid if the government or Google is looking at everything that I'm doing with my life. It's like, hey, look at it. My life prophesies of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I hope you CIA agents are getting led to the Lord because you're just hearing me praying all the time in the spirit. Come on in. Purity of deed. And within this, this is... This is a part of this, but it's, it's important, is sexual purity. I think sometimes we forget that as Christians, one of the greatest ways we can proclaim the holiness of God to the world is by the way that we choose to steward our sexuality. You don't do what before marriage? You, you, you know, the, like, God is holy, and it, 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 what a testimony of the holiness of God, the way that he has ordained sexuality, right? And, and again, I think sometimes we, if we believe that God is the creator, right, it would be incongruent to think that we know better than the way of creation. And, and sexuality, he's not trying to steal anything from us. And what science and neurology and all this is starting to show is that the way of God in stewarding sexuality is actually the way of blessing in sexuality. It's the way of joy in sexuality. He's not trying to steal anything from us. I believe, I believe sin is derived from the thought, giving into the thought that God really doesn't have our best interests at, in mind. Like that, that's what opens the door to sin, is when we lose the trust that, that God is absolutely committed to our highest and our best, that, that his, his greatest delight is to bring us joy. When we start questioning that, sin starts to seem like more palatable. Sin is not pleasurable. Sin is a thief. And, and God wants nothing but our joy. He wants nothing but just to delight us. He wants us to live and experience reality. All right, so our sexuality prophesies of God's holiness. And again, this doesn't mean that you have to have a, a, a perfect track record. So I'm going to guess that no one in this room does, including myself. 
but it's not about our past. It's about our present and it's about our future. Because God says, don't call the thing to mind the former things. Behold, I make all things new. And his blood speaks a better word, always. His blood is the, the final story. All right, so that's, that's kind of a brief overview of incarnational purity. Um, but the crescendo of all of these things is purity of heart. Because, uh, you know, it, we're, we're told to guard our heart, for from it flows the springs of life. The heart is, all of the things I just listed to you can become uh, legalism and religiosity in about 2.5 seconds. Probably a little faster than like a Tesla Model X, you know, super speed, whatever it's called, plaid, ludicrous, whatever. That's about how fast legalism is. And sometimes it looks really sexy, too. Uh, but it, again, it doesn't work. All right, purity flows from a pure heart. It's the heart that resources all of those things. And Jesus is after the heart. He's, he, he's more concerned about your heart than your behavior because he knows that your behavior will follow your heart. He wants to so purify your heart that your heart starts to look like his heart. All right, so purity of deed, speech, motive, desire, thought, sexuality, it all flows from purity of heart because a pure heart is what resources a pure life, and the heart is where the seeds of God are sown into you. Your heart is where his promises, where your identity, where the righteousness of God that you've become, it's all sown into your heart. And so God is looking over the heart. He wants the heart to be a place uh, where the, the seeds that he's sowing are growing and becoming a garden, and purity is, is transforming from a positional state to an incarnational state. It's the heart that God is after. And, and this is the amazing thing, right, is that God says, Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. All right, so purity translates to a revelation of God. There's something about your ability to see and behold God from a state of purity, right? And, and, and we see him. So you're speaking to the eyes, right? And if we, if we kind of just analyze what the eye is, then eye is just an intake valve, right? Eyes are, you know, the gateway to the soul. We've all heard this because the eyes are the consuming. They're, they're what we take the world in. It's what stimulates our imagination, right? So the eyes are intake valves. And we read in Ephesians 1 that our hearts actually have eyes. It says that the eyes of our hearts would be flooded with light. The picture would be like an aperture of a camera opening up to receive light, to receive revelation. So our hearts have intake valves on them. They have eyes per se. I think that what Jesus is saying here, he's not so much saying that the pure in heart will see with their natural eyes God, though that does happen at times, but I think he's speaking about the eyes of the heart, that the pure in heart will actually behold God. And I believe that what images are to the natural eyes, right, they stimulate the eyes and the imagination, presence is to the heart. That make sense? What, what images are to our natural eyes, presence is to the heart. Images stimulate our eyes that then stimulate our brains. Presence, the presence of another, truly the presence. When someone is present, it stimulates our heart. Something is, is be, being taken in. Something's being awakened stimulated in the heart. 
In Exodus 33, Moses is on the mountain. It's this fascinating discourse, and he begins by saying, God, give us your presence. If you're not going to give me your presence, don't go with Israel, and I need your presence. He's asking his presence. God says, my presence will go with you. And then then Moses cries out and says, show me your face. Show me your glory. And the beautiful thing in this is that the presence of God and and the face of God are the, the exact same thing. Moses' heart in this whole passage, he's crying out to behold God. He's actually just saying, God, let me see you. Right, we, we pray for his presence. How many of you ask for his presence? How many of you experience his presence? This is the amazing thing. When, when you're experiencing the presence of God, the Hebrew word for presence is the face of God. It's the same thing. Presence is face. Face is presence. When you're in the presence of God, your heart's seen his face. Blessed are the pure in heart, they will see God. What's Jesus saying? Blessed are the pure in heart, they will know the presence of God. Their hearts will know his presence. The spirit of holiness, the Holy Spirit who came like a dove, which is a symbol of purity and peace, the dove will rest upon hearts of purity. Pure hearts will know the presence of God. Their hearts will see his face. You'll live in his presence, right? So positional purity, you experience his presence. You do. When you get saved, it is an act of the Holy Spirit. He comes upon you. He transforms your life. But if you want to grow in the presence of God, Jesus is speaking here very plainly. Become pure like he's pure. Walk the journey from positional to incarnational purity. And you'll grow and grow in this ecosystem because as you become pure, you will experience his presence and as you experience his presence you'll become pure and as you become pure you'll experience his presence as you experience his presence you'll become pure and the seeds in your heart as you are beholding his face as you're encountering his presence those seeds will get watered and they'll get nurtured and the promises of God will start to come to life. They'll start to grow within you. They'll start to spring like a well. These, these things, the stains, the thoughts that aren't like God, the motives that are impure, the desires that are unclean, all these things, they'll slowly start to change because when you see him, you become like him as you behold him as he is. And there's this ecosystem of purity and revelation and purity and revelation and purity and revelation. And your heart actually begins to form union with God. And the more that you are united with God, the more you're in a bonded union of love with him, the more it changes you because love changes us. And when things get deep inside of us and we start cleaving and attaching, you know, like my baby girl, I think about her all the time. I just can't wait to see her face. But it's like she's so deep down. I'm, she's, she's, I'm cleaving to her. It's like she's a part of me and she's in me. And when someone gets into that place, you can't get them out, right? And, and so as you're pure and, and you're bonded and you're union, all of a sudden Jesus is just working deeper and deeper and deeper. And then all of a sudden you'd go to watch the show that used to be like kind of, you know, palatable to you. But now like Jesus is there, you can't get him out. And you're like, I don't enjoy this the same way anymore because I see you because I'm pure. And as I see you, it's made me pure and it's changing me and it's changing me and it's changing me. And I'm being sanctified more and more and more and I'm becoming holy. And I used to steward 
steward my finances in this way and the gray areas no longer become gray. They become like I don't want to anywhere near the gray areas because I'm not just trying to figure out how much I can get by. I'm, I'm in a union. I'm in a covenant. I'm in a marriage with this Jesus that's just deeper and deeper and deeper because as I'm in his presence, I'm changing. He's changing us. Blessed are the pure in heart. They'll see God. Oh, they'll see God. And when we see God, when we, when our hearts are in his presence, it's like, it's like the aperture just opens and it's just love and love and love and love. Love is the force of purity. It's love that changes us. It's love that washes the crimson stains away. It's love that, that drenches the, the memories of our brokenness and cleanses and cleanses and cleanses. It's just love. It's this love that is stronger than death. It's this love that says, I won't stop until I have you and all of you. It's like so amazing. This is reality. Like this, this is so good. Oh, it's just so good. There's no condemnation. Sometimes we hear, oh, well, what do you mean? I have God's presence. Nobody knows God's presence more than me. He loves me too. Yeah, he loves all of us. But the pure in heart see God. And the more you walk with God, the more you become one with God. But the beautiful thing is that if you have received the blood of Jesus, confessed your sin, asked him to wash you, in his blood, and you've become a born-again Christian, the Holy Spirit will rest on you because there's purity inside of you. It's an indestructible purity. It's already inside of you. So don't hear this condemnation. Well, I'm not pure. I can't. No, no, you are. You are pure. <laughs> that's, the, that's the first point. You're pure. <laughs> You're pure. Like you are pure. You are holy. You are a chosen people. You're pure, and there's more. <laughs> yeah, no condemnation. You're pure, and there's more. You're accepted, and there's more. So this is how I want to close tonight. There, there's an experience of grace that, that lies between positional purity and incarnational purity. Uh, people have different words for it. Some people call it a baptism in fire. Some people call it an, exp- a sanctif- an, exper- uh, an experience of sanctification, being entirely sanctified. And it, it, it's when the Holy Spirit comes upon. So there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is where the gifts of the Spirit are awakened. I distinguish that from the baptism of fire, which is when God's holiness comes upon. And it, it's as if it, what was the seed? It's like the seed has to die, and if the, if the seed will die, it will bear much fruit. That's the baptism in fire. Sometimes I think people are like, send the fire to me, Lord. I'm like, that's a scary prayer. <laughs> it doesn't feel good. Like, that's a death you're asking for, but it's also a life. You know, in the the Old Covenant, they put sacrifices on the altar 
That was their, their act of worship. But in the new covenant, it says, put yourself on the altar. That's the new covenant act of worship. And what would happen is they would put the, you know, like when Elijah on the Mount of Carmel put the, you know, the fire fell on the sacrifice and the fire of God would fall and consume the sacrifice. And it's the same in the new covenant that you put yourself on the altar. You bind yourself to the altar and say, here I am, God, here I am. Here I am to be made into your image, to be a holy one. And the fire still falls and the fire still kills, but the fire also heals and reveals and releases. Right? We don't die, but we do die, but we live. And, and this is just, I, I don't know that this is for everyone tonight, right? but this is when the new nature in Christ is activated. Sin is washed away and something profoundly shifts on the inside. You become holy in a way that you were not before. It's like something is realized. It's like, it's like the thing starts to sprout inside of you. It starts to take root. It's like things are washed away. There's this transformation. Uh, I, I was born and raised in the holiness movement, uh, particularly in the Church of the Nazarene. And this is the encounter with God that Phineas Brzee had in Los Angeles in the early 1900s. I believe it was 1904 or 1905, maybe 1906. And he was uh, at the, the, the parsonage, and I'll read this, and, uh, of, his, of his church in, in Southern California in Los Angeles. And uh, th these are his words. This is the encounter at birth, at birth the global movement uh, of holiness. And th this is straight from Phineas's uh, own mouth. It says, at this time there came to me in answer to prayer, a very striking experience. I had been for some time in almost constant prayer, crying to God for something that would meet my needs, not clearly even realizing what my needs were or how they could be met. I sat alone in the parsonage in the cool of the evening in the front parlor near the door. The door being opened, I looked up into the night sky in earnest prayer while the shades of evening gathered around. As I waited and waited and continued in prayer, looking up, it seemed to me as if from the night sky there came a meteor, an indescribable ball of condensed light descending rapidly toward me. As I gazed upon it, it was soon within a few feet when I seemed distinctly to hear a voice saying to me as my face was turned towards it, swallow it, swallow it. And in an instant, it fell upon my lips and face. I attempted to obey the injunction, but it seemed to me that I swallowed only a little of it, although it felt like fire on my lips, and the burning sensation did not leave me for several days. While all of this itself would be nothing, there came with this experience into my heart and being a transformed condition of life and blessing and unction and glory, which I had never known before. I felt that my need was supplied. I was always very reticent to reference my own personal experience, but I've never gotten over this. And I've said very little relative to this, but there came into my ministry a new element of spiritual life and power. People began to come into the blessing of full salvation. There were more persons converted, and the last year of my ministry in that church was more consecutively successful, being crowned by an almost constant revival. In Isaiah 6, the prophet sees the Lord. I'm, I'm unclean. 
angel takes the coal and touches his lips and touches his heart. He was a prophet and he saw his own uncleanness. And in my own baptism of fire was over about a six week period in 2012. And it was honestly a very, very terribly painful time for me, almost supernaturally painful when I had come to uh, the, the realization that after uh, years of trying my passionate best to do behavior modification, to liberate myself from self-righteousness, pride and religiosity, I just kept wounding people. And it was like I couldn't escape it. And I was groping for God. In abandoned places, with my face in the dirt, chewing the dirt, groping, God, please tell me you can liberate me from myself. And he met me. He met Phineas, and I, I can describe it now that it was like an iron dome was lifted from my life. I didn't realize that I was under like a, it just felt like an iron dome, like the rain couldn't get to me. And uh, he came to me, and he met me with his grace, his loving kindness, and it changed me. And there was no ministry. There was zero fruitfulness in my life until he gave me sanctified something deep and, and changed me. And we don't talk about this a lot in the church, and it grieves my heart. Uh, but God moves in grace, and there are just sometimes we need God. And it's the groping for him, but also the language of what do I need. And some of you tonight, you might just kind of be crawling on the inside a little bit like, I, I need something. And what you need is you need his fire to come and touch you. And just know that it's a gift of grace, that he wants to help you become holy. Yeah, so I don't want this to be a super emotional thing. I want this to be a space that if God is going to authentically fall on hearts, that he, he can. Um, so I just want you to stand. Um, everybody stand. And if you're just desiring the purity of God tonight, I just want you, I want you to just ask him for it. And if you want the fire of God to fall, I want you to ask him for it. I, I don't want you to ask him for it if you don't want it. But if you, if you want that fire to come and touch places with love, it's a fire that comes from love.
if you want to see God, if you want his presence to come and, and cleanse, just whatever it is, I just, I want you to ask him. You can maybe even just say it out loud. You don't have to say it loud, but just pray. Just, just tell him that you, you want him. Just say, Holy Spirit, you can have your way in me. If there's certain things that, you know, convictions rested on tonight, if it's habits, if it's uh, whatever it is, and if they're trying to make you feel disqualified, I actually just want you to invite God right into those places rather than trying to excuse or like this isn't about you. This is about grace and, and love. So if there's places, I just want you to invite him. If it's a pornography addiction, I just want you to invite him. Invite him into those thoughts. Invite him into those places. If it's, if it's you know, uh, control around money, if it's uh, whatever it is, if there's just things that have been convicted tonight, I want you to just like open those places and just say, God, here you see. Like you see, you see the places. If it's a... Uh, just an incessant lukewarmness that you just can't, you just can't seem like whatever it is, just, just open. He's the God who sees and like it's, it's his idea to make you pure too, by the way. <laughs> yeah, because just open your heart, just open your heart. If it's a sexual history that you're unashamed of and you feel like it's too much for God, God wants you to know it's not, it's not even close to too much. He shed his blood on a cross, and that blood has the power to cleanse and heal and redeem. If it's, if it's been a, a multi-year addiction, it's not too much. I just feel like the Lord's saying, no, just, just bring it right before the cross. Bring it right before the cross. And no, it is not too much. It is not too much. I just feel like Jesus saying, you are the joy that was set before me. You were the joy that was set before me. This was the delight of his heart. This was, this was his motivation. It was to liberate you. So just bring it all, bring it all. And I ask right now, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit of God, that you would just come with your fire on those that are in need of your fire, Lord, that the Spirit of God, you'd be free to manifest in this place that your presence would literally start to consume, start to consume, that your eyes would just start to penetrate and pierce right into the places, right past the defense mechanisms, right past the, the, the walls that we've tried to put up, right past the justification measures that we've used to try to keep ourselves from that feeling of condemnation. And Lord, it's eyes of just purity. There's no judgment, just purity. It's purity, it's purity, it's purity, it's purity, it's purity, it's purity. It's purity, it's purity, it's purity. It's a holy fire. It's a holy fire. If God is touching you, if you are experiencing his manifest presence, I want you to respond and just come, come forward. Just come forward just as a response that just says even before God, before the church, that the, the fire of God's touching me. There's something touching me tonight. There's something touching me tonight. If he's touching you, just come forward. If he's touching places, he's touching tender places in some of you. Yeah, thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing right now. You are the sanctifier. We thank you, Jesus, that you said, for their sakes I sanctify myself. 
and then you prayed that you would sanctify us in truth. Lord, we thank you for the fulfillment of your holy prayer on the last night before you gave yourself on the cross. You prayed that we would be sanctified, God. We would become pure like you are pure. If you're on the ministry team and people are forward, just just maybe just come and just start laying hands and we're just gonna let, let the fire of God, just the fire of God, have your way, God. Have your way, God. Have your way, God. It's not emotional, Lord. It's a spiritual reality. God, release the spiritual reality of your fire, God, deeper. We're not just asking for emotional experiences, God. We're asking for a deep, deep cleansing, God. A deep, miraculous work, Lord, where you impute your very righteousness, your very purity into us. Purity is not the absence of our sin. It is the presence of Jesus's imputed righteousness. Lord, that you would literally spill your purity into our inner being, God, that the blood would cleanse, Lord, that the fire would fall upon the sacrifice tonight, God. of hearts right now Holy Spirit and just descend with your presence God yeah, some of your hearts you're seeing God right now you're seeing God yeah you're seeing God yeah open wider open wider Holy Spirit open enlighten the eyes of our hearts to see you, Jesus. actually something about just worshiping him even when you're down here even like he's not after your repentance as much as he's after you <laughs> yeah just 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 respond to him just let your heart respond to him You are more beautiful than comprehension. 
you are more powerful than we even know. You're just, you are holy, God. You, he is rewriting histories in love tonight. He is re he's rewriting history. He's rewriting stories. He's rewriting. I just see it's like he's stepping back. He's stepping into places that 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 you haven't even wanted. He's just stepping in. It's like he's he's rewriting. He's reforming your heart. Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. Oh God, you sanctify. God, you turn the darkness into light. Though our sins be like crimson. You, you wash us white as snow. God who shed his blood to make you like him. <laughs> he paid it all just to just to have you clean. And some of you, you can just you need to just confess that you're pure. Just thank him for making you pure. Some of you need to hear this right now. There's a couple of you, you're really struggling. And the Lord says, You are not what you have done. You are not what has happened to you. Only love has the power to tell you who you are. You are not what you have done. You are not what has happened to you. Only love has the power to tell you who you are. creation a new creation yeah God just bring forth bring forth the new bring forth the new wash away the old drown it in a sea of forgetfulness bring forth the new you're birthing he's birthing new he's birthing new life new identity new it's new it's a new story it's a new song praise you God we praise you for the blood. We praise you, Holy Spirit, for the fire of God, for the sanctifying, cleansing ministry that flows straight from your heart, God. We praise you. feel free just just exit quietly but I just this is a, there's a holy space for people right now so we just we're gonna give you more space Holy Spirit we're gonna give you all the time that you need and so we don't we don't want to rush you God just have your way have your way God wash your bride 
with the water of your word. God, wash her tonight. Wash her. Wash her. Sanctify. Cleanse, God. We just give you glory. Before you leave, just do, just give God glory for what he's doing. If, even if it wasn't in your life, just give him glory. Just bless what he's doing. Bless what he's doing in hearts. He's changing lives right now. He's, he's, he's restoring purity. Oh, God, we give you thanks. You're just so faithful, God. Yeah, for some of you, he's just, it's, that the God's moving, he's not done. He's just like, I don't know, there's something happening. So just, I just want to encourage you, exhort you, don't rush. Don't rush. Just keep engaging with God and keep worshiping him. Just, just opening more. The, it's the pure in heart see him. And as they see him, they become pure. Just, just, just engage with God. Just engage with the Holy Spirit, the grace that's available right now. Just, just say, have your way in me, Holy Spirit. We just say, have your way in us, God. Have your way in this church. Have your way in this city, God. Make us pure like you're pure, God. Just worship you, God. We give you glory and honor. We just say, keep moving, God. Just keep moving, God. We love your ways, Holy Spirit. We love your ministry, God. 